0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz drummer, composer, and educator Steve Fittick. We caught up with him in early 2020 to talk about his latest CD, Battle Lines, during this new COVID-19 world of no live jazz. He is well known for his versatility and musical approach, earning national and international acclaim as an artist, author, composer, and columnist. Enjoy. Thanks for taking a minute out, man. I appreciate it.
1: No, of course, Joe. Yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity to talk sure. about the music.
0: And then speaking of battle lines, I mean, it's coming out at a very surreal, strange time on the planet for COVID-19. I mean, people are going to have probably more of an opportunity to listen to it, but they may not be able to, you know, I mean, you're not going to be able to back it up with live music. What, what, is this bittersweet that's released during this time on the planet?
1: In a way, it is, but it's it's reflective of the times. Um, as you mentioned, it's somewhat dumb luck in my, in my on my part, in terms of Scheduling the session and, and and doing this recording, of course, I didn't have a crystal ball where I can look and say, "Wow, this is uh, you know." In a few months, we're all going to be locked down, so this would be an opportunity to put out some music to hopefully lift some spirits for folks that are really struggling with you know lost wages and no work and you know a myriad of, of, of issues. Um, but it was it was just this creative this creative energy. Uh, working some gigs at Smalls in December, a weekend worth of gigs with Walt White's Cross Quartet, and I uh, was just so inspired from that weekend with his quartet that uh, I felt the need to um, to get in the studio and, and, and record my music. This is the third solo release of mine, the, the third in six years. So I had a body of original original music that I wrote and uh, a few standards that I arranged and spoke to my friend Peter Zach, who was on that date and, um, kind of prodded him a little bit about what studios he likes to play in, you know, like a record in, uh, because this is the first release that I used a pianist on. So I went to him first and, and asked, you know, are there certain studios in town that you really like? And he gave me a, a list of a few. And, um, so I, I contacted, uh, Tom Tedesco at Tedesco Recording, and uh, we did it on January 15th. We, we went in one six-hour session and uh, recorded recorded the eleven eleven tunes on battle lines. Um, you know, I hope people that hear it can feel the different moods on there, uh, and it can hopefully relate a little bit to their to their to their own experience um, in life as uh, as we all struggle with uh, this pandemic and and, uh, and and the riots and, and everything that's happening in our, in our world right now.
0: So talk to me about your beginnings, where you were born and raised and how jazz became
1: your life. I was born and raised in a small town in Northeastern Pennsylvania, just south of Scranton. And um, blue collar, very blue collar uh, upbringing. Um, Stay at home mom, three other siblings, my father worked at a factory, worked at Tox Chewing Gum in Durier, Pennsylvania. So he was a tool and die maker. So he would make uh, parts for different machinery that would cut the baseball cards and wrap the ring pops and the bazooka bubble gum. So he worked at a factory. But he was also a tenor saxophonist. And um, he played on weekends. When I, when I was very, very young, he was working five, six nights a week with his group so he would have musicians over the house quite frequently and they would rehearse in our basement so when i was very very young i just recalled you know musicians being in the house and and playing and all of these guys were you know musicians second you know they had day jobs first but when they got together they um, they enjoyed one another's company so much and they just were having such a good time that I think that experience being around older musicians at such a young age and just seeing how happy they were just being together and trying to figure out tunes because, you know, they weren't schooled musicians, like in terms of institutional schooling, um, they could barely really read notation at all, musical notation. They would just put the record on, listen to it and try to figure out their own parts and then play together. And, um, and they worked, you know, they worked. Uh, weddings and anniversary parties and club dates and things like that got to know the drummer of course very well and started subbing for him when i was about eight or nine years old my dad would take me out on on gigs and so that experience led to you know eventually playing with my father's band on weekends and um yeah so just trying to be around older players and learning from them and um and my father would always say, um, you know, when you go out to play music, you're playing for other people. Um, you're when people come to hear you play, you're making them forget about their day-to-day problems in life. So don't ever forget that. Um, and and I and I and I try to remember that every time I sit down and play, you know. In terms of institutional knowledge, you know, teaching at the university level and going to school for music and all of that, we could get very compartmentalized with our, with our learning and um, very inward, you know, thinking inwardly in terms of how we're developing and, and where we are in the pecking order of success. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to keep the people dancing and you're trying to keep the people happy when they come out to hear your band perform and uh, and, and make them forget about all the, the issues that they're having. That's why they're there. And I think the best musicians, regardless of style, do that.
0: What do you like best about being a musician?
1: I love being creative. I, I can't imagine doing anything else because I've, I've been a player for so long. I got my first set of drums when I was four. I still have that kit. Um, 1966 Champagne Sparkle Ludwig and um, my my parents bought it used in 1972 and uh, so I mean just growing up around my dad and all of his musicians friends and then my friends in school um, I I can't imagine doing anything else for a living Um, the creative aspect of making music with other people and having a conversation being a good listener initiating conversation interacting with one another, um, being involved with the creative process, collaboration—those are all things that um, mean so much to me, and it's what I miss so much about performing live. Um, because of this, because of this pandemic, we're all in the same the same boat, so to speak. We really have—we're uh, all yearning for that opportunity to get back on the bandstand and and perform live or get into the recording studio and and perform and record projects. Um, It's the collaboration collaboration with others that I miss the most.
0: When we do return, when this COVID-19 ends and we get back to the live stage, what do you hope both musician and the audience realizes about this time away from
1: live music? I hope that both the musician and um, audience members Appreciate it on a deeper level and don't take it for granted. I mean, I think most musicians are resourceful people and and we're just running from gig to gig or teaching opportunity, teaching opportunity, just rehearsal, just always on the go. And the living in the moment aspect of being a musician sometimes is fleeting. That's one thing about this uh, pandemic everything stopped very, very abruptly. So we're looking back at projects. We're looking back at performances, really appreciating them. And so I'm hoping that in the moment, perhaps, um, once we are back on stage and we are performing and we are interacting with a live audience that both the, the audience member and the band member appreciate every ounce, and every opportunity of the experience in the moment, and not take it for granted.
0: So everyone has a perception of you: your family, your friends, your fans, students. But you're living your life. Who do you
1: think you are? I think I'm a father. I hope I'm a. I'm hoping that my my family. I'm a family first type of a person. Um, so I like to think of my my relationship with my family and trying to support and provide for them first and foremost. Um, I hope that the, the, my students and the, uh, the fans, if you will, um, find me to be a person of integrity and ethics and, uh, a person with moral being and um, someone who's honest. And so the music I write is a reflection on on all those values. Um, Kind of an open book, so to speak. Um, I'm I'm kind of a person that wears my heart on my sleeve. So um, life experience and life experiences that I've had since my last recording Are reflected in the music of this recording so when i for example when i lost my parents my 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 father passed in 2017 and my mom uh, last year 2019 i wrote a ballad in honor of both of them you know they were about four or five weeks shy of their 60th wedding anniversary so these types of life experiences sort of propel me to uh, a certain mood in life and then i try to take that mood and turn it into something creative that lives forever. I like
0: that, man. Steve, thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. Thanks for the music, and and stay safe. Joe, thank you, man. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Washington, D.C., Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Steve for his time, class, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the Neon Jazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.